For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 170. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now... Here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, hey, welcome to the show. Richard Ryerson here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate your support. Please make sure you're telling your friends, your family, your coworkers all about this show. Keep this community growing. I appreciate your support. We're continually rising in the iTunes rankings, and I couldn't do it without your support. If you haven't done so, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review, and let let the world know what you think about this show. Again, thank you so much for your support. I want to introduce to you my New partners to the show, 99designs, you know, they've been so great with me and helping me with my design of my business. You know, it's all about selection, speed, and creativity. These are just a few benefits of having several designers work for you and helping you on your project. So if you want to start your next design project, I encourage you to go to 99designs.com slash leadership and get a $99 power pack of services absolutely free. Well, man, I'm so excited today to have Tom Rayner on the show. He is the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Resources. Prior to Lifeway, he served at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary for 12 years, where he was the founding dean of the Billy Graham School of Missions and Evangel- Evangelism. He graduated from the University of Alabama in 1977. In addition to speaking in hundreds of venues over the past 20 years, Rayner led Rayner Group, a church and denominational co- consulting firm from 1990 to 2005. He's the author of 24 books, which I just find amazing, including Breakout Churches, Simple Life, Simple Church, Raising Dad, The Millennials, and Essential Church. His recent book, I Am a Church Member, was number one on the CBA bestseller list for several months, and Autopsy of a Deceased Church was just released in May of 2014. Tom, welcome to the Dose of Leadership podcast. Well, it's great to be here. I love what you're doing, dude. Well, I love what you're doing, you know, and as a fellow podcaster, and of course, you're out there, I can't believe 24 books, but tell us how it all kind of started for you. Why did you get so passionate about leadership? I was originally a banker. In fact, I was a fifth generation banker. And so I I come from a business background, a strategic business background, particularly in the world of corporate banking. And I thought that was going to be my path for life and I love business and so I got my degree in finance and statistics and economics and I started moving in that direction but then uh, as what happens to many of us there's a detour and uh, it's in my case it was a it was a good detour and I went into Christian ministry so I took a few years off to go to seminary uh, about six years off to go to seminary from there I pastored four churches again loving exercising leadership skills for a uh, for a nonprofit volunteer organization, probably one of the greatest challenges I've had in leadership, but again, loved every minute of it. And then from there, entered the world of uh, academia and uh, went to a seminary to be dean, stayed there a dozen years. But what has really been fun is the last few years, because for nine years I've been at Lifeway, which is kind of the intersection of 
business and ministry. Uh, we're a Christian resource company that's uh, been around since 1891, so we've been we've, we've been through here. And uh, in the midst of all of that, started building a platform, but uh, I didn't know I was building a platform. Uh, <laughs> some people told me I needed to be writing a blog, and then uh, got a social media guy who said, let's do a podcast. And golly, the next thing I know, I'm just I'm, I'm blown away because the podcast has it's upwards of five million uh, views a uh, views a year. I'm not not the podcast, the uh, the blog, the podcast still relatively new, but it's doing extremely well. And I'm just blessed. Uh, I love this this world that I am discovering, the world of uh, social media. I've only been in social media since 2008, so I'm a mid to late adopter. But I'm loving this world. I'm loving the platform world. And quite frankly, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the platform world as a great place for the intersection of business and ministry and to get the message out that uh, I hope a few people are hearing. Yeah, you know, it's, it is amazing. It, I was having lunch with a good friend of mine, and we were talking about that. And I just don't think, and I know you've heard this in that kind of social media setting, that this is, there's been no better time in the history of the planet where any average Joe citizen sitting in the corner of their basement can go out and, and make an impact on the world if they choose to, to do so. I mean, would you agree with that? I would totally agree. There, there are really two or three different viewpoints on this. And uh, I am with you in your viewpoint. I know what you're doing because, goodness gracious, with all the podcasts you're doing and all the interviews you're doing, it's just off, off the scale incredible. Uh, there, there's, there's one view that uh, said this is, that they're saying this is a fad and it'll go away. It's not going away. It's just getting bigger. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's the new foundation of communication. There's another group that thinks that you can get in this and it's just real easy. And uh, you punch a few buttons and all of a sudden you have fame and fortune. I don't think that's <laughs> Yeah, that's I don't think there. so. Yeah. There's a lot of work in this. Oh, there is. Yes, there is. But if you do the work and, you know, I, I am not the, the brightest bulb in the chandelier. So I know that if I can do it. Millions more can do it, but you have to put the work in, and you just have to be laser-like focused. And I, I am with you totally. This this new world, Richard, is a is a is an exciting world to be in, and there's never been more opportunity, never any time, to get our message out like we can today. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, let's talk about you know your specialty there dealing with kind of churches that are in trouble and in, in, in the ministry and i gotta tell you let me let me just spare give me a few minutes here to, to t- tell you about kind of my background i've grown i grew up unchurched always believing in god uh always you know, my mom was raised a seventh day adventist and she, she had a bad experience with church as a childhood and um she never forced it on us but it was always a part of my life but then me and my mm-hmm. wife kind of got involved with it and um, got baptized and, and did all that. Um, had a challenge, you know, a crisis in our marriage, uh, prime, you know, because of, of me and getting away and dropping the, the ball. And, and the church was great for a moment, but then um, it was amazing how no one really knew what to do. Once the dirty work needed to get done and kind of the scars were revealed and the truth was exposed and everything, um, no one really knew what to do. And, and it left kind of a bad taste in both my wife and my experiences with the church. Love the church, would always like to connect back. I, I think it does great work. Is that a common problem um, for someone like myself who, who considered myself unchurched? But a believer and wants to believe and wants to know more, does believe in God, believes in 
um, that we're here for a purpose. I believe all those things, but I just haven't found the church because the, it seems like the, every experience I have with the church, something gets off kilter, and, and it's just, I don't know, it's the humanness of it, of it I guess. I don't know, and that's, that's, kind of, that's, a, that's a lot to, to kind of throw at you, but what do you think of when I just said all that? Uh, I resonate greatly. As, as a matter of fact, a lot of my research has been done on the unchurched, those who are not in church. I've done it on the uh, de-churched, those who, who were in church and are now out, the unchurched, those who've never been. And your story, though it does have its own uniqueness to it, is being repeated in similar ways all across America. And that's, that's one of my concerns, uh, particularly the Western church and the American church. Uh, we, we Christians in these churches are shooting ourselves in the foot. And we have a great opportunity to reach a large number of portions of people because they're like you. They believe that there is a God. They're not antagonistic toward Christians. So there might be a small percentage of them out there. And there's a great opportunity. But we in our churches got to start acting a little more like Christians in order to uh, be the type of the metaphor is salt and light in the world that uh, will attract people. I did research on the millennial generation, ended up writing a book about it and with my youngest son. And what we found is the, a pretty small percentage of that generation born between 1980 and 2000 are believers in Christ. A large percentage of them, though, are receptive to things that are our message, uh, the gospel message that we have. And so uh, we, we in the church, we Christians, people like me, have to do a lot better job of, of showing more of, of our faith instead of just saying we believe cognitively, but demonstrating we believe it as we interact with others. What is it? What can we do um, in terms of of how can I phrase this? Especially as a as a middle aged man myself, and this is one thing that's always kind of bothered me. And and, and I, to be quite honest, is part of the reason why I created this podcast and in, in to to find in a get around people like yourself and other thought leaders and people who are in tune with the heart and common sense. But especially as a man, specifically speaking as a man, you know, I've gone to these like fight like a men conferences and where, okay, we get a bunch of Christian men together. We get a lot of accountability partners. I'm all in for that. But then I go up there and I see another 45 year old man standing up there with like acid washed jeans and spiked hair. He's got ax products in his hair and there's a, there's a <laughs> rock, rock band behind him. And there seems to resonate. That's not what. I'm looking for, and it's almost like we to feel like we got to connect. We got to be like that. So I see a lot of that. I know I'm kind of stereotyping here, but then the other part of it, which I'm not attracted to either, is this kind of like, okay, you've got to put on the suit, you got to follow the rules, and you got to do these rules because the rules and the religion. You know, that's what turns me off too. You know, kind of the 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 religion aspect of it. Does that make sense? It makes sense, and uh, basically, you when you look at the man that is in between those two, you pretty much got a biblical description of Jesus. Yeah. He was, he was, he was not that uh, uh, hyper rebel that, uh, yes. that he was a rebel, nor, nor was he the, the suit guy that uh, had to get all cleaned up, uh, and he's the one in between, and that's, that's where we need to be yeah. instead, of, instead of these uh, stereotypical extremes. I love that you said that, because you're absolutely right, because at the, the core of it is this, this calm, confident courageous presence, right? I mean, that's, that's really that's what it's all it. about. That is that is it. Hey, you're you're helping me a whole lot with some ideas for the future. So, uh, th- thanks for all. <laughs> hey, my, no problem. No problem. But no, I just, I love talking about this stuff because again, you know, and it's funny watching my daughters uh my two oldest daughters are uh, 17 and 15. 
and they're kind of in that phase. And I kind of remember being in that age and they're, they, they automatic associate and we go, we go to a, um, live in a very strong Catholic community and we're not Catholic. I have four kids, so I play one on TV and that's how I Im- embedded myself in, into this community. I always joke with the, 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 my Catholic friends around here, but they're, they're very, um, you know, asking a lot of questions and rebelling almost against towards, and this isn't anything against, I, 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 anybody can believe what they want, but they, they kind of fight, uh, getting closer with God because of some of the dogmas, dogma, the right word, or some of the rules. What I, I, I guess I'm kind of struggling with, how can I get them more involved with uh, the leadership, the calm, courageous aspects of, of God, which I know is out there. How can I get them more uh, to see that side of it? I guess, does that make sense? It does make sense. And in the midst of all of the bad news, Richard, about uh, churches, there is a lot of good news that is taking place. Not knowing where you live, I wouldn't know exactly what, uh, where to direct you, specifically to direct you. But I can say this, in almost any community of size, and even the smaller communities, there are churches now that are representing exactly what your daughters and you have have been missing yeah and they're representing that now here's here's what i think i think if you just begin asking around the christian community and you start asking the question you know where are the young people going to church in town yeah what's, what's, what's happening i think uh if you tell your daughters hey let's go together and let's just see what happens uh go out with go out with your own man you might be surprised at some of these churches and what's what's taking place yeah. i take the risk yeah well, that's what's exciting. That's what I want to do. I don't know. Didn't mean to digress too much from leadership, but it's just a, you know, it's just kind of wanted to share with you where I'm at. Actually, and, you're talking about some of the most significant form of leadership, which is parental leadership. Oh, I know, and that's the stuff that's the most challenging, right? I mean, it so, is. It is. I've got, I've got three grown boys, and uh, uh, I thank, I thank the Lord that uh, they have grown and they're doing well. But I can say that I was an imperfect parent, and my wife was near perfect. But uh, they they have uh, they have done well despite me. How much you know? I had a, a guest on the show recently, and this was kind of an amazing insight. They talk about, and she was thinking that you know, our kids are gifts from God given to us, as not so much as as we uh, so much that we transform their lives that that God has placed them in our lives to really transform us into the person we're meant to be. And that, I thought that was just kind of eye opening when I looked at it that way. Not that that you know we're still the parent and we set the example. But when you have kids, that's really at the moment that you really start to begin to transform who, who God has meant you to be. What's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. First of, first of all, the comment that you made about their gifts from God, that is absolutely true. Any type of gift that is a positive gift, and of course we would say a gift from God is definitely a positive gift, is transformative. So the very fact that we have been given children uh, as a gift is transformational. And what happens is if we are good parents, the kind of parents that uh, I was not, the kind of parent that I was not always, but those few times I guess that I was good, it is sacrificial love, it is selfless love, it is putting others before ourselves, and it is that type of parenting that causes us to become more mature and the better leaders in all facets of life. How were you as a leader, say, when you looked at when your kids were first born, you were just kind of getting started in, in the, this call to ministry as compared to you are now? What, what has been the biggest transformation? Uh, really, it has been traveling for me. And the biggest transformation is uh, uh, the fact that I was gone for a long time. That may not be the specifics of your question. You may be asking what has changed more. Uh, but for me personally, I was on the road a lot. And so 
my wife made up a lot lot of the void uh, that I I left. But what has changed most about uh, parenting? Uh, my, my oldest is 34 years old. My youngest is 29 to give you the, I'm 59 years old to give you the age perspective. And here's, here's, here's what I found, Richard, is that when they were children, for the most part, uh, the culture in which they were in was not contrary to the uh, Christian biblical worldview that I have now. Yeah. And now it is different. And I'm not trying to come across as some type of legalistic, narrow-minded, pharisaic type of person that is that is uh, bemoaning the condition of culture, but I'll just simply say this. I think it was easier for me to raise children 30 years ago than it is for parents to raise children today because the cultural competition in many different ways is so incredibly challenging. Yeah. And uh, the culture in which I raised my boys was not as challenging. It was challenging, but not as challenging. Yeah, it definitely is scarier now. I mean, I, can, I can't imagine being... Uh... I mean, and it just kind of, it's a slow fade. It kind of creeps up on you, but just even, you know, as much as you and I both love technology and how great it is for us, but it, it it's completely different to how you and I, even growing up as kids ourselves, um, I mean, it's completely different and the challenges are much greater. And even on thinking of that, I can't, you know, I, my daughters, I can't even imagine, um, and I live just outside of the city, but just having them walk down the road by themselves scares me and I remember when I was a kid, we were constantly gone. I'm sure it was the same with you. You probably came in when the lights came on, you know, the street oh. lights came on. So I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine doing that now. I really can't imagine doing that now, honestly. Oh, I, I know. I, absolutely. When when I, when I was a child, I could roam around town anywhere I wanted to. Uh, there were no cell phones. My parents didn't know where I was. They just told me what time to be back, and everything was fine. Yeah, It's a whole new world. It's a scarier world. But um, I still am an obnoxious optimist about the future of our young people around here, and I think they're great opportunities. Hey, halfway through the show, I want to take some time out, just a brief moment, to talk about my partners at 99designs. You know, if you were like me in the beginning, I remember I was dreaming of a logo, a perfect website design, but I didn't know how to get started. I was worried about a budget. Well, that's where 99designs came in, and they can certainly help. 99designs is the world's largest graphic design marketplace, and it makes it easy for you to to get a design that you love. Just go to their website, tell them about the design you need, and pick a price package that works for you. And that's where the fun really starts up. And this is what I loved about the process. Designers from all around the world will submit awesome designs, and you give them your feedback. And within a week, you get to pick out your favorite and be the proud owner of a gorgeous unique new design with thousands of designers at your fingertips there's no limit to what you can get designed i've used 99 designs and i love working with them and what they did for me so what is it that you need you can boost your brand's visibility with a t-shirt drive more traffic with a sleek new banner ad or a landing page whatever it is you need projects start at just 199 dollars, and your happiness is always 100 percent guaranteed visit 99designs.com slash leadership and you can get a 99 dollars power pack of services absolutely free today go check them out i love that i we i've reached this topic a few times about the millennials and and i i'm curious i think you probably share the same and i'm excited that you're an optimist about it because i i have become much more optimistic since this show and talked and had a lot of millennials on the show a lot of millennials in the circles that i run around with there seems to be this surge of optimism, this surge of servant leadership in that generation that I didn't see in in maybe my generation, the one right behind mine. What are your thoughts on that? I, I feel optimistic in this surge of, of servant entrepreneurship is how I'll call it. 
Okay, rather than give you my thoughts, which are not worth two cents, uh, I'll give you the research we, we did. And, and again, I, I understand on a podcast like yours, any type of shameless plug. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely, it, that's good. It's all good. It's really shameless. But <laughs> my, 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 young son, my youngest son in IGS, he's 29 years old now, I wrote a book called The Millennials. And what we did is uh, we, we had a massive research project where we interviewed the older millennials. And there were 1,200 in the interview. It was a very statistically sound sample. It was a massive research project. So rather than give you my opinion, I will speak for them because they spoke to us. And here is what I found about that generation. Now, I'm specifically talking about those born between 1980 and 1990, the older part. Uh, the older part of the millennial generation. This is a generation that uh, I think really has the big picture in mind. They're a generation that is altruistic. They're a generation that wants to be a part of something that makes a difference, and they're willing to do what it takes. I came away from the research project that resulted in our book called The Millennials just blown away and saying, hey, I'm one of these old geezers who is not looking at the next, this young generation and saying things are blowing up badly. I'm one of these, these old geezers who look at this next generation and say, goodness, things are really great for the future if they continue on this trajectory. They are, they are really, really looking at the big picture, have a big vision, and they really have a focus. They want to make a difference in this world, a positive difference. And that's why I remain an obnoxious optimist. Well, I love that. I love the term obnoxious optimist, and it makes me feel good in, in, in so many ways that you did that research and you guys in, in put it out there because I sensed it. I've asked you know multiple people on this show because it was a feeling that I got when I kind of tuned away from the traditional kind of um, sources of information and really started digging and connecting with people who are in there, and it just seems very positive, and I agree with you. I think that if they can c- continue down that path, continue to – kind of ignore the noise, um, so many great things can happen in this world. You know, I did a, I didn't do it. Actually, my son did an interview with, uh, I'll, I'll let it be unnamed at this point, a person uh, with a very, pretty well-known radio show. And uh, the person asked my son what he thought of the millennials, and he gave a similar answer. He was very encouraged and optimistic, and the, the person said, that can't be, and started naming isolated examples of bad millennials. Well, there are 78 million of them, so you're going to find right. a few bad ones in there. And he kept saying, but the research says, and the overall, and he said, oh, that research is bunk. And he said, well, the margin of error is only three plus or minus 3%. Well, that means nothing. Uh, took the opposite position, and we held. He held his ground and said, "I'm sorry. I just believe that the future of this generation is great." Uh, well, I'm with you on that camp, and it makes me. It, it encourages me, and it's part of the reason why I keep going and keep digging, and keep finding those stories because there's just so much negativity out there. You know, things do seem to be even with. And I am an optimist, and I like. I'm going to steal that term, obnoxious optimist, from you. I like so that. And um, but even when I look around, I think. You know, seems things seem to be. If you look hard enough and look in the right way, things seem to be spiraling out of control on so many fronts. Um, lack of accountability, uh, common sense doesn't just isn't common practice, and and I don't know. I mean, what can we do to turn it around? Obviously, we got to turn to God, but what can we do as just individuals, people that aren't don't have the leadership position, we don't have the title. Maybe we're involved in a church, maybe not. Maybe our church is declining, like 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 you deal with, and it's just. We, we seem lost. What do we do on an individual level? 
I have had this question broached with me in different ways. And again, my audience is primarily church members and Christians. And because of the way you described it, you, you described maybe world affairs and all of the sure, yeah. all of the violence that is taking place and the disruption that is taking place in different whether it's on on the uh, Texas border or whether it's in a Middle Eastern state and or Russia and Ukraine and we we could go on and on on that and there's a sense that things are are spiraling out of control. Well, on a micro scale, uh, there are many churches that feel that way as well, and so a similar question has been asked. Why? What can we do in a local church? And I, I would give the same answer that uh, I, I have given to uh, church members that I would give to those who are outside the church. The more that we can make a difference by deciding that we are going to put others first, that we are going to be selfless in our actions and seek to put others before us, the more that we can have an altruistic motive, which is what I'm learning from this millennial generation, the more we can change the world within our sphere. And it may be bigger than we think because of the exponential effect of our effect on one person over another. So I'm, I'm one of these people who believe one person can make a world of difference. And I believe that if we stop being so selfish and become more selfless, not only will the world change, but our lives will have greater purpose and be more fulfilled as well. I love that answer. And you're so true, so dead on. I mean, it's just the fact that if you feel like it's kind of like, I can't remember who told me this, like you're tired, you know, you want a better marriage then be, be a better spouse. You want to have a better job, become a better worker. I mean, all those things you have, we have uh, so much influence and in, in, in power, and I don't mean power in the, in the negative sense, I mean it in the fact that we can add value to someone else's life, the power that we can add value to somebody's life, no matter who we are, uh, it can be a complete stranger, and if we make that decision to do that, you can literally change the world, at least you're part of it, at least start the change of it. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I heard someone, I was listening to a video last night, and I heard someone talk about someone else, so this is very third hand, and they said, this person wakes up in the morning and starts telling herself this single word, loving, loving, loving. And that is how she wants to describe herself, mm. and that's how she wants to be. And so she goes through the day and says, I want to be loving. And now she is known as this great, loving woman, and she's actually changing lives. That's one person changing the world. Mother Teresa, to use the extreme altruistic example, the selfless example, did not start off as someone famous. She just decided to be someone who would put others before herself. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely right. I remember I was talking to Jim Cousas on this show, and we were talking about this. And you just look at the actions of, of Rosa Parks, just you know, who seems on her way home from work, and what did she do? She refused to to stand up. She said no, and 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 she said, "Go ahead, call the cops." I mean, those are three things that all three of all of us can do. It doesn't. Right. It doesn't. It doesn't require a degree or any source of education or or money or 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 offsite retreat to come up with a strategy. It just decide make a decision to do it and absolutely uh, and, you nailed it yeah so who are your heroes i'm curious about that who did you really look up to growing up and even now i had several heroes one was my father and you will many of us have had good father figures and he was a small town banker and a small town mayor and uh, he had opportunities to go other other places he was a world war ii hero two purple hearts and uh, I just watched him, and he was just absolutely giving, giving of self, giving to others. Uh, I was raised in uh, uh, South Alabama in a very prejudicial uh, era, a uh, lot of racism. 
when it, where, I, where I grew up and dad stood out as one who stood up for the African-American race uh, when others were not. And so I, I watched him and, and uh, I, just, I just learned a, a, a whole lot from him. Then there was another person whose name will not mean a whole lot to people. His name was Dewey Corder and he was a pastor and uh, he embodied what I thought a Christian leader uh, should be. And so those, those are some of the, you know, the, the, the no names that, uh, have, have been my heroes. Now there are, there are others that, uh, would be more prominent in name. Some, some who, some who are deceased. Uh, and I think everybody would expect to say, uh, Abraham Lincoln was a hero because that's just kind of, right. everybody's going to say that, but he was, <laughs> I mean, his courage and, uh, his his articulation of of, of uh, values just really uh, made him one of my heroes. And on both ends of the not necessarily ends of the political spectrum, but two different parties. I like JFK. I like JFK because of uh, uh, his vision that America could be something greater, uh, and that this is a greater place, and uh, we need to make something of it. I've always liked those who pushed us to be greater than we are and who inspired us to be different and to make a difference. So when you look at those type of people, those have always been my heroes. Now, i got to say this. We're almost in the football season, and I'm a University of Alabama graduate. There you go. I grew up on the campus. I didn't grow up. I went to college on the campus of the University <laughs> of Alabama, and I love Bear Bryant. Oh, yeah. I loved a lot of the things he stood for as well. So I'll put that little plug in. But uh, other other than that, you know, who, who, who would be – uh, one of my living heroes today, most of them would be people whose names you would not know. Yeah. But who have, who have made a difference in my life. And, and I just, I look up to them right now. And uh, I wish, you know, here, here's, here's the sad thing, Richard. I, I wish I could quickly articulate more heroes who are alive today than that are known but uh, uh, not quite as many in the political realm or, or even in other areas. So uh, mainly those people who are close to me who have made a great influence. Yeah, well, it's, you know, typically I, I ask the, it, I typically ask that question on every interview, and it invariably goes back to people that nobody really knows, and it's always that close family member, obviously a, a parent or a grandparent or, or a teacher or a coach, someone at that close of an intimate level, and, and that's what's – I, I always bring it up, and it, it always reminds me just again how much influence we have as individuals. Doesn't matter what our title is, um, and, you, and and you know I would say very clearly and quickly that my three greatest living heroes right now are my three sons and my wife. Yeah, and my, my I look up to my boys. I used to be their dad, but now I look up to them as leaders and men to whom I seek advice from whom I seek advice, and my wife is great godly, courageous. She's a cancer survivor. She's, uh, she's always been selfless. And those three boys and that wife are four of my living heroes every single day. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, gosh, I'm looking at, you know, when I look through your, your website, your blog and the books, 24 books, that's just amazing. And there's so many, you know, coming across. I mean, I, I just looking at the titles, you know, the unexpected journey, I mean that looks just absolutely fabulous, you know. Um, the the stories about raising dad, what fathers and sons learn from each other, simple life, God, time, relationship, money. I mean these are just topics in the millennials connecting to America's largest generation. These are just topics that are just so relevant to today. And I thank you for this great body of work. I'm excited to dive into some of these more. I mean, 
What's your What's about your latest one? What is it? The Autopsy of Deceased Church is that your latest one? Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. Autopsy of Deceased Church was released in May, and uh, I. I'm excited because uh, the previous book, I Am a Church Member, is the number one Christian book in America right now, and Christian Booksellers Association, and Autopsy of Deceased Church is number three. So I'm kind of blown away that I have two in the top five right now. They're they're very short books, which tells you a, a couple of things. One, it's, uh, it's possible to get some information out in a short time, and two, I'm not smart enough to write long books anymore. <laughs> Well, at least you got a book written. I mean, it's just every time I try to sit down, I just feel all these uh, this resistance and these obstacles to even start writing. So it's just impressive that uh, that you got such a good. Uh, don't 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 be too impressed. The one of the indications of writing twenty plus books is that you're old. <laughs> yeah, you're too hard on yourself. So what's next for you, Tom? What's uh, what's coming up for you and and in your ministry? What uh, what can we be looking forward to? Well, I still have this passion for the local church, and uh, at, there's, a, there's a lot of stuff that is going on that is seen through my uh, website, TomRainer.com, and I have a heart for unhealthy churches, and I believe that the church can be the mechanism that often government cannot be, and I think the church, churches have largely failed, and as a result, we have looked to others uh, that uh, may not be as the best way to provide help for people and hurting people particularly. And so I am focusing on the area that uh, is a big phrase, revitalizing churches, but the whole idea of church revitalization and uh, helping unhealthy churches become healthy is a large focus of mine. I work a lot with church leaders, and that's really my niche uh, it's not that small of a niche because there are a lot of them, but it's still a pretty focused niche, and uh, that's 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 where I'll be going. That's that's where my platform is now, and probably in the future. All right, and tell you a little bit more about Rainer and leadership. I'm guess it's supporting everything we've talked about here, but uh, give a quick plug for your podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. I was just saying, give a quick plug out for your podcast, and you got Rainer on leadership. Um, we talked about it briefly in the beginning, but just give me a quick uh, shout out for your, your podcast and uh, what we can expect from that. We will continue to have more on the general topic of leadership, but you'll hear specifically more on the issue of church leadership, Christian leadership. And every now and then you'll hear something about family leadership. Uh, I can't stay away from the issues of family, but my audience is more demanding that I talk about the church and issues related to the church. So I'll continue that weekly podcast. We actually release it on Fridays, and uh, then it's available continuously on iTunes and other platforms. And uh, been 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 pleased. That's why I'm kind of excited to be here with you, and uh, you're the podcaster talking to those who podcast and have other social media forums. I've been pleased that uh, it has started well and it's continuing to grow and do well, and I will I will put the time into it. Very good. Well, we'll have, we'll have links to all this on the post. TomRainer.com is his website. Again, you have a link to that. His uh, podcast is Rainer on Leadership. Uh, Lifeway.com is, serves a lot of the products that uh, he supports. A great, uh, we didn't talk much about Lifeway, but man, oh man, talk about some resources there. Uh, it is. a lot of resources here. It's, uh, I think it's one of the largest, if not the largest, Christian organization around today. And uh, 5,000 employees and our big retail chain, and we 
uh, book publishing, Bible publishing. I could go on and on, but there's a lot to LifeWay. All right. Again, all these links will be there. Tom, what a pleasure to have you on the show. I'd love to have you come back in the future. I look forward to staying in touch with you again. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for all you're doing, Richard. This is exciting. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you soon. Okay. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamins. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.